Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today on my show, I have Carla Hackett. Carla is a calligrapher and a hand letterer, and she's joining us today from uh, Melbourne. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Do I say that right? Is it Melbourne or Melbourne? I think we say Melbourne in the States. Well, with the Aussie accents, Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, so I'm going to try to say it with an Aussie accent, Melbourne. Uh, Yeah, and I know the R's is something that um, Americans struggle with because when I was introducing myself in the States, I would say, hi, I'm Carla. And no one knew what I was talking about until Did I they said, think it was Carla. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like Carla. What's Carla? in it? What? Yeah, right. <laughs> it is interesting when you uh, travel to different places and with the accents and the way you know. So even though we both speak English, it can be quite different, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All those little nuances. For sure. I should also mention, um, Carla, that you uh, are also you also have a really popular Instagram account, um, Carla Hackett, mm-hmm. um, in which you show you, you share a lot of uh, lettering, of course, and then cats, my favorite. Yes, I have yes. two cats: Benedict Cumberbatch and Hercules. Oh, oh they're full God. official Wait. names. Wait, so is Hercules jealous that he doesn't have a last name? Or is he like, um, it's just Hercules? No, he, he's, he, he owns Hercules. He's just like, yeah, that's, that's it. He's like, a one, he's like a one name like Beyonce or Madonna. Totally. Yeah. Okay, he, he lives up to his name. That's awesome. That's so great. <laughs> Hercules. Okay. And Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, just because oh he's a ginger, so... Oh, got it. Yes, very good. Oh, my gosh. It's so fantastic. Uh, we love animals over here and cats. So, okay, I'll stop talking about animals. I think lettering and cats are definitely two things that go well together. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay, I won't go there anymore. I, I, I could talk about cats all day. So, um, I think today we want to talk about, I know you recently launched an online course, and I know we want to talk about that, but before we go into the details of that, I'd love to talk a little bit about your career and how you got into calligraphy and hand lettering. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, it was not like I was sort of was born uh, with amazing handwriting. A lot of people just sort of look at what I, my work and just go oh wow you just must be have always just had nice handwriting and I'm like well it doesn't kind of work like that um I mean I was definitely always interested in drawing and and typography um so my background is um I studied graphic design at university and then worked as a graphic designer and art director um for around 10 years and I think it was just I was sort of wondering I was feeling a little bit, what is next in my career and feeling a little bit, I couldn't point at my work and just say I did that from start to finish and, and sort of that, that value chain of, of design work um, was was too long for me um, and I was getting a little bit disillusioned with just being on the computer all the time. Um, so <clears throat> that's when I moved, um, decided to move to Berlin for a little bit uh, with my partner from, I was living in Sydney at the time, and I did a hand lettering workshop with Ken Barber from House Industries. They do uh, fantastic retro uh, typefaces, 
um, and amazing work. And once I'd sort of done that workshop, I kind of, it opened my eyes to this niche of lettering. And there was a few people at the time, Jessica Hirsch and John Contino from the States that were doing really amazing work um, and becoming well known and lifting the profile of hand lettering in design. I think there was a sort of resurgence of the hand crafts um, and, you know, chalk lettering and, and sign painting and, and all of those skills that really require, you know, technical hand skills to pull off. So I was really inspired by those guys. And when, when did you take that course? How long ago was that? Uh, that was about 2011. Okay, so about six years ago or so. Yeah, yeah. And so after you took the course, then what happened? Um, well, I squirreled away and practicing because at the time I was living in Berlin, so I wasn't working full time and um, I I had some time to kind of, ex I caught on my creative sabbatical that year because I, I wasn't working full time and, and I was kind of at a bit of a crossroads what to do next and being in a different city is kind of like a, a reset for your brain um, and just wondering, you know, is this, could this be a new path that I take? Because I knew I definitely wasn't as inspired by the work I was doing previously um, in graphic design and art direction. Um, so yeah, I went away and just did a lot of practice. I did, I started a, a little blog called Deutsch Doodles and I started lettering German words that I found hilarious. Because um, <laughs> they have a lot of uh, just words that like Schlafmütze is... <laughs> What's <sleep>. that? <laughs> It actually translates directly to sleep hat. Um, oh. So sleepy head. Mm. Yeah. So I, I just was um, doing illustrations and, and, you know, just having a little side project that I could practice lettering um, on. So, yeah, that was, that was fun. And so, you know, when did you begin to make the turn into making it something that you might do as a living? Or, you, you know what I mean, or more than just sort of a side project? Yeah, uh, I think it was when, when we moved back to Melbourne. So we decided to move to Melbourne instead of Sydney. And, um, you know, Melbourne has a great reputation for the creative scene here. And I'm super glad that I did move here because once I decided that, you know, lettering was something I'd really like to pursue full time, um, uh, you know, I found myself amongst a great community of, of people, uh, moved into a, a studio space, sharing with a letterpress printer, a lamp maker, uh, web designers and stationary designers. And, and I sort of found my my crowd um, and I was just really inspired to to kind of make that a full time leap and be surrounded by other people doing their own uh, creative thing full time. So I think that was that was a bit of a the turning point there and and sort of going all in um, and you know trying to make a make a living out of it um, in around 2012 around 2012 okay yeah so so about a maybe a year or so um, ish after you you know took the course yeah and how did you start making money in the beginning um, I actually started doing a lot of chalk signage uh, for events 
Um, I think that there was like a peak of chalk lettering uh, coming back around that time. And I worked on a cookbook as well um, called Eat, Drink, Paleo. And I did all of the the covers and the, the internal sub subpages uh, with chalk lettering and food explosions. <laughs> I like oh, to call them. Um, mm-hmm. So I basically did lettering on the board and then just did like a sort of food collage around it. And um, that was like a, a great first project to throw myself into um, and really kind of have full creative freedom with, with the lettering and adding in my art direction skills. How and did you I, find? Yeah. yeah, how did you find that 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 gig? I I loved it. It was like the first sort of project where I could really just do the the niche thing I wanted to do, which was the lettering. Um, uh, you know, as a graphic designer, you have to be sort of quite uh, robust in terms of you know doing the entire project, coming up with the concept and. Um, seeing it through right through to print. But this was like I could really get into the lettering side of things and get really tactile and make up the chalkboards, get dirty with paint. And I just, that's what I really loved about it. Well, how did the gig come to you? Did you go out and find it? Were they friends? Was it- uh, it was, yeah, a friend of mine, Irina Macri, who runs the blog Eat, Drink, Paleo. And, um, yeah, she'd have a massive following and, and did a, a Kickstarter campaign to raise funds for her first book and she actually just wanted it to be an ebook but the imagery and everything we're coming up with we were just like this has to be a real book a real cookbook that you know these photographs are just going to look beautiful oh so, got it so yeah. so it was a friend yeah yeah and so um how you know how did you evolve to the, I'm curious about like, how did you evolve to the place of, you know, get to the place of like creating your own online course? Wow. Well, it took a few years actually. Um, so an interesting um, kind of way of getting there was I, I was introduced to a, a lady called Barbara Enright. She's a friend of, uh, she's actually the mother-in-law of our f- friends. <laughs> so she's, um, yeah, around like mid sixties and she worked as a show card and ticket writer. I'm not sure if you guys sort of call them the same over there. It's sort of like sign painters are the sort of like was a mainly a, me- a men's industry that, you know, they were outside painting buildings and sides of trucks. Whereas the women, the women's work was indoors painting show cards and tickets, which were retail signage that were temporary, um, and unfortunately, a lot of them were thrown away. But if you can imagine, like the butcher's signs that were, you know, like steak ten ninety nine, that was all done by hand and very much free, freehand with a brush and paint. So they they trained exactly the same, like same as the sign painters, a three year course. Um, but then you know they they were very highly skilled women, and when I met her. I, that's when I sort of started, I was like, please teach me this because at at the time I was just like, just self-taught looking around Instagram, just buying books and just hanging out in art shops, buying supplies and just dabbling with any type of lettering I could and following a lot of, you know, letters that I admired. Um, Was this when you were already working for yourself or was this 
before that? Yeah, it was kind of in that first year of Oh, got it, business. okay. Yeah, and so once I met her, I, I asked her to give me a private workshop um, at her place in Sydney, and I was just blown away with the level of expertise she had. Just watching her paint is just like poetry. It's just so beautiful. Uh, but to her, it's just a trade. You know, she's just like, oh, this is, I just did this day in, day out for 30 years. And, <laughs> right, you know, right. but she's, she has such a passion for this skill um, that, you know, she really wanted to pass it on. She says, I don't want to die with the music in me. That's her little. Oh, I love, I love that. So she, during this time, you know, she was teaching you some of these things, some of these, the skill sets, and you did a private workshop with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'm curious, like, how that led then eventually, like, what was the path, and I might have been circuitous, but what was the path to get into an online course, or how were you making money, you know what yeah. I mean? Well, we started doing workshops um, in Melbourne um, from my studio to, to the public. And so these workshops became super popular because people couldn't find where to learn this skill. And it's quite different. Uh, this brush skill is quite different to some of the brush pen lettering and modern calligraphy styles that you see a lot of recently. Um, so um, especially in the Melbourne scene, workshops, well, maybe globally also, workshops have become quite popular for people wanting to do something different on their weekends um, and just get away from the computer and do so something did completely you, different. Oh, sorry, did the two of you do the workshop together then? Yeah, so she was kind of like, I was facilitating and then and she was teaching because she also has a lot of experience teaching in the, in the TAFE system. We have a TAFE, it's called TAFE um, system here. So she has just amazing experience and so I kind of sat in those first few workshops just sat and watched her teach um and then over the years you know it became uh you know one one every couple of months and then I'd go to Sydney and we'd do one there and so over the next sort of three years we we just were running a whole heap of workshops and someone planted a little seed one day (laughs) I think it was actually a girl visiting from New York um, and a girl, actually, yeah, a, a lady from London, she's visiting family in Sydney. She's like, you know what, this would just do really well overseas. And we we're just like, hmm, yes, it would. Wouldn't that be the dream? We could take this show mm-hmm. on the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, it got to a point where we were just like, there is something missing. Like this needs to go global. Um, there was a lot of people messaging and saying, I, I can't get to your workshop. Is there any other way I can learn? And I'm like, I just, I need to turn this into a, an online course. So that's kind of how it came so that, about. Yeah, so that you could get other folks, right? Not only who can't yeah. maybe travel or you can't travel to them, but also I assume there must have been a cost component too. Yeah, um, exactly. Right. The difference yeah. between, you know, in-person instruction versus online is quite different. So yeah. you guys so you guys had been doing it for a few years, you know, before yes. you kind of got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you let's get into the meat of creating this online course and like mm-hmm. how it got started and the decision. So you decide we need to take this more global and offer this online. And this is the way that we're going to do that. Yeah. So and then what happened? What was the next step? Uh, I sat on it for a long time, um, not knowing where to start, um, what to do. But 
I, I think I my partner Tim Lucas is a web web developer. He runs the company Buildkite, which is a CI software. Um, so he's one of those magical unicorns that is like can design and build web apps, and he's really also great at brand strategy. So when we sat down and and went, how the hell are we going to pull this together? Um, we kind of just brainstormed and and kind of I came up with because we've been running these workshops for a few years Barbara and I had the structure we knew you know kind of how we wanted to break it down and and the content was a given like we knew what we wanted to get across it was more this how we're going to build this thing <laughs> so basically you didn't you you decided to basically take the content that you've been creating in person and make yes. that online. There wasn't a exactly. lot of big changes that you had to make. No, no. Okay. I think it's just, just we wanted it to be a direct translation of our, we do a full Saturday, Sunday, two-day intense workshop where we go through, um, you know, because there's a lot to get through, um, how to hold the brush, how to load the brush. And we were actually quite worried. How is this going? How are we going to, like, we in a workshop we can stand behind someone over their shoulder and make sure they're holding the brush and we we're like worried that how are these going to people cope on their own <laughs> without that guidance well right i think that's actually a big there's a big leap um between we we can teach something and do something in person and then translating that into a you know a, a, a one directional sort of mm. instruction right like a video there's no feedback i mean exactly <laughs> there's no feedback there i think that's actually can be incredibly hard for those of us who are used to doing it one way right you have to make the shift in your head about yeah i'm assuming it was like how you described it or yeah, the problems just... you thought people would get into Exactly, just trying to think ahead. And the other thing is Barbara and I are both left-handed. <laughs> oh. Um, so that we were just like, oh, my God, how are people, like, we've actually gotten quite good at, at showing right-handers how to do brush lettering because um, a lot of lefties, they come to me and they're like, I can't do lettering. I'm left, I've been told my whole life I'm, I just can't do lettering. And I'm like, it's not true. You, you can do it. <laughs> um, we actually have an advantage because we're going sort of italics. But yeah, that, they were some of the main concerns and also the, the materials. How are we going to make sure everyone's on an even playing field in terms of what brush they're using? Um, because these brushes are a little bit hard to come by because they, they're they not like a watercolour brush or anything you can pick up in the art shop. They're made specifically for lettering. So we decided we wanted to ship everyone a brush. <laughs> Got it. So one of your first decision, it sounds like there's some decisions to be made, like one, we need to really make sure we're, we're, we're giving some instructions on proper usage of usage of the brush, but also mm -hmm. that the course is going to include materials. Yes. Yes. I wanted so what, to make sure everyone's on the same playing field because if, if I start getting emails from people like, oh, I can't find the brush, my lettering doesn't look like it does in the video, uh, I just saw a whole bunch of problems there. But um, I did decide to ship everyone a brush and just built that into the into the cost. But um, there was a few sort of teething problems with sending brushes from Australia. It's shipping is really expensive. It takes a long time to get anywhere. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, and... I actually, there was so much demand for the course in the start. I didn't have enough brushes at launch time. Nightmare. 
Right. Um, oh, I mean, there's a ton of logistics. I know that was the first thing I thought of was, well, you said you were mentioned that you were sending brushes. I thought, oh my gosh, logistical. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I worked in a buying office for Banana Republic once and my job was basically to track all of our merchandise and look at the turns and, and sale mm-hmm. and inventory. And I would remember, you know, the buyers would come to me and say, why is this not in stores? I'm like, it's stuck in customs. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Like, I know. I, right? That's the frustrating part of it. Right. And we had whole teams. Like we had a whole team. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to call, I can't remember her name. I'll call her Libby. I'm going to call Libby in London. She was like the whole logistics team. And I'm going to see if she can get this out of China. (laughs) And that would be like my whole Thursday would be trying to get things out of customs and, and, and all of that. So that's a pretty big logistical. It was. uh, And then I'd get emails like my brush didn't show up. It got lost. And then I'd have to resend it. So, you know, I was sort of losing money resending brushes that got lost um yeah good time well, right and, and right and I, I you know i'm curious about the 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 brush were you just charging the cost of the brush and then shipping for that aspect of it uh no i sort of built it into the the whole price so we decided to charge in us dollars as well okay um, tell me about that decision it was something i thought a lot about because i mean my main audience is in Australia, um, but I we sort of felt like you know if if it was we're kind of going to a global audience and Americans and everyone else is sort of like what are these AUDs like <laughs> it's like silly little currency, um, so I did decide to do uh, we started with the early bird pricing of one forty nine USD, um, and I tried to make that really clear on the site um but i did have a few upset australians um emailing me saying some nasty things um, right because what was that in in australian uh so that would have been like yeah two hundred dollars or more oh got it yeah so yeah, that's so a like, that's yeah big, that's big quite difference. a big difference right yeah and, right yeah and I, I i did get a few emails saying like this has damaged your brand i was was you know like I expected more from this and and they were really quite upset. So I did end up refunding those people the difference because, and then I went back to the design with Tim and went like, how do we make this really clear? Um, right, right. I mean, th- so many, yeah, That that's always really challenging and with a global audience. And if you're yeah. charging in a different currency than mm-hmm. potentially many of your audience, lots of communication mishaps yeah. can happen. So how did you decide the early bird price and then what was the regular price like how did you make those decisions um i thought because there was it's a 12 we say a 12 day course and all that language as well like how much does that is that valued at you know how many hours of footage um you know it had take into account kind of what we would charge in person and then sort of you know the value of of having it in video maybe it's um, because it is not in person, it's you know not as much as an in person workshop. But um, uh, we did decide one forty nine for for early bird pricing, and and I think that seemed very reasonable because we wanted to go two ninety nine for the full price. Um, because yeah, we felt like that was reasonable for the amount of tuition that you get, um, the brush included. 
but you know it was very difficult sort of nailing that down and, and you know for Australians that is a lot of money um, especially at full price so I feel like a lot of when it at currently it is sitting at full price 299 USD and I don't get many Australians buying it um, right because yeah. that price point well also it strikes me so you know you essentially gave the early bird price you cut that you could cut the price in half which in is half, a really yeah. nice discount yeah. I think also at two ninety nine, the good thing is that you it, it gives you uh, space, maybe room to mm-hmm. discount. So, did you think about like do you offer discounts, and have you thought about discount? Did you think about I offering have. discounts before you you know put it out into the world? Yeah. So once that kind of um, the early bird finished, we did do a few kind of specials, a Christmas special because I thought you know it's a great gift to give. Um, to people so we did like a you know I think it was a hundred dollars off for Christmas and that was really popular but then I started thinking I shouldn't can I be just discounting it are people just going to sit back and wait for the next discount like what's what's my strategy here so I actually haven't done any other sales since then um it's so important, actually. I mean, I think it's actually a really, I, I want to make sure we highlight this point because I've launched a bunch of products for clients and done my own things. And thinking about pricing strategy and not only when you think about pricing strategy, your discount strategy is incredibly yeah. important. And also to think about, well, um, because we do train people, right? If you mm. always offer discounts, we train them that you'll always just get it on sale later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I did, you know, because I'm using the intercom software uh, behind the scenes to capture, you know, all the, the people that sign up that don't convert. And I have, uh, you know, little <clears throat> emails, trigger emails set up when a week later after they've, because I offer the first two videos for free. So you can make a login, watch the first two videos um, and then if you don't sign up, you get an email from me saying, hey, I noticed you didn't tick off any exercises. You know, is there anything I can help with? And Intercom's kind of smart like that. It makes it look like it's a, a email direct from me. <laughs> and so I do get a lot of responses to that saying, oh, hey, yeah, like life got in the way. Sorry, I haven't, I can't afford it right now. And I get that sort of info why they didn't convert. Um, so that's really helpful, but uh, you know, a lot of people do say, "Oh, I just, I can't, I can't afford it right now." And so I'm thinking, I have offered people payment plans, um, and so I'm thinking, you know, in the future, do I, I need to sort of rethink the structure and perhaps, you know, breaking that down into different payments or just buying per video. Um, at the moment, it's still just buy the full course, the whole shebang. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there isn't really a right answer to all of this, right? I Mm. mean, people will say, oh, there's one right answer. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, (laughs) I'm not sure that that there is. I think, I think, and I think it evolves. And as you gather more information, I love that you're using automations and you're using other software to Mm -hmm. track and understand behavior, right? So that you understand what's happening. Yeah, and it's not like you can sort of launch this, course and then just sit back and watch all the money flow in you know like you have to (laughs) rethink that structure um all the time but I'm thinking you know do I lower the price now and get I could get be getting more customers um because at the moment it current it costs me 
around $200 to run the thing. Heroku uh, Intercom Campaign Monitor. Um, $200 a month or? Yeah, a month. Okay, a month. Okay, right. So you have to figure that into, there's like an incredible amount of costs actually too that go into building a product Mm. that we don't think, and maintaining a product that we don't think about, right? Yeah. That we might not think about if we've never done it before, we're not really aware of that. Mm. Mm. So when did the course, when when did the early bird launch and how long was that early bird pricing? Uh, That was um, March last year and that went for three weeks Um, and in that first three weeks I got um, about 120 signups so um, I was blown away like people from all over the world signing up and I'm just like where did you find this (laughs) well yeah that's amazing yeah let's talk about um, and, and are you okay, before I move on, to, I have a question about like how you launched and how you got the word out, but are, would you be willing to tell me um, how many signups you've had, if you know approximately, in the last, what, it's been like a year and a half since you've had it out? Yeah, um, I, it's around, I've, uh, two, 200 or 300, so yeah, it's, I've sort okay. of around the $60,000 mark. Okay, and, and... Um, did you have projections that what you had hoped to make at this point or no? Um, not really. I mean, I actually had no idea who would buy it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and that's why I was completely blown away and got stuck with not enough brushes because I didn't expect the demand that, that came through in those first few weeks. Um, yeah, so I was really just amazed that that, those those few hundred people and and I'd set up there's a little app called pushover um that Tim set up on my mobile so every time I got a sale it pinged up and it had a cat emoji with love heart eyes and two dollar money dollar bags emojis (laughs) now that's gonna make your day pretty happy (laughs) I'll never forget we're out sort of celebrating we had a dinner just the two of us to celebrate launching this bad boy and getting um, little pings on my phone with the, with emojis and just yeah we were just choosing at life. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. like one. That's got to be a wonderful experience. Yeah, it it was really great. Well, so I want to talk. Go back a little bit in the process and talk about. Um, so you're creating the content. Sounds like you were pretty clear. You worked through pricing. I want to talk about promotion and how mm-hmm. you were going to get it out into the world. I'm curious what phase and the pro- like. When did you start thinking about that? Um, I think that was something I'd started thinking about, like in terms of building up my Instagram audience before even launching the course. Just having my peeps there, ready to kind of. They've been supporting me through, you know, the three or four years I'd been doing lettering and and just having that community there to, to be able to go, hey, everyone, I've launched this thing was was invaluable. Um, so well, how big, if, yeah. yeah, do you remember about how big your audience was when you started to think about the launch? Because right now you're sitting around 10,000. Yeah, um, I think around that time I was maybe five. Okay, all right. Five or six. And so, so you'd already yeah. been working on your Instagram audience and yeah. before and a mailing that. mailing list. And a mailing list, got it. Yeah. And so then we're, at what point were you in the process did you think about the launch and getting it out in the world and starting to mention it to people? Um, 
I, it's one of those things where you, you're like, I can't, I can't say anything yet because I don't have the thing. You don't want to start going, hey. <laughs> right, right. You're like, am I going to finish it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, don't talk too loudly because I might not finish this. <laughs> I don't trust myself. Um, but no, I think I, I kind of did set up a little like drip feed. I'm working on this um, stay tuned kind of thing. And, you know, I had um, that email list that, that I could sort of email and say, hey, is this something you'd be interested in? Um, we're working on it right now. So but, wait, that yeah. that drip feed, where did you put that? Was that, did you, did you put that like on Instagram or in the newsletter and then people could sign up for a separate list? Um, yeah, I think I had a, a launch list. So um, it was just a basic, you know, learnbrushlettering.com um, sign up to find out about the launch date. And so I think I'd captured... Um, a lot of people just just through that. Um, so when I was ready to launch, um, they were there. With got, me. Yeah, got it. Okay, so so you you were thinking about marketing well before you even started this course. I mean, obviously you had been working for yourself, and anyone who works for themselves, we have to think yeah. about marketing, right? Yeah, totally. Because we we got to eat. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's how a lot of my work was coming through Instagram. Oh, it was um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just through the just through being in the local community and, and being in my studio space, but yeah, um, that's kind of where yeah where the where the peaks were at. And so, so did you have a? Um, let's fast forward a little bit. We're moving towards launch here. Um, you've got your early bird pricing ready. You've got a list of folks. Um, do you remember how many folks might have been on your list? Uh, it could have been like, yeah, a few hundred actually. Yeah. Okay. A few and, hundred, and then, and then yeah. on my personal Carl Hackett mailing list, I'd had about a thousand. Okay. Got it. Right. Yeah. Which is actually a pretty darn good conversion rate. If that was your main channels, that's a pretty yeah. nice conversion rate. So yeah. when you were, um, okay. So did you create, we're about to launch. Did you create a launch sequence or did you just say, ta-da, it's here? Well, yeah, that's when I, did the early bird uh, Instagram post, um, and then and, and I also set up a Facebook Lambrush Learning Facebook, um, and so that was really the the kind of I think yeah Instagram was really the main main thing there. But um, I did post it out to other people to post on my behalf, like other Instagrammers and and blogs. Um, there's a few around ones called the design kids, which is, um, Australian, but they have a global audience. Um, Shillington design college who we'd been running workshops with, um, they, they promoted for us as well. Um, so I tried to have a few different, different channels. Um, but yeah, I think the email is really the strongest kind of place. Cause that's where you can get in their inbox and they've like signed up to hear about this. So I think they were, they were pretty keen. So, um, did you send out any, like, hey, it's, it's coming, it's on the way messages to your email list before? Uh, I think a couple. Yes. Yes. I think I was actually, yeah, late. (laughs) I was late on my own launch. Yeah. Um. Right. Well, I think a lot of us, you know, we don't, I actually think, and I would say for myself too, 
uh, I'm about to launch a, a, a just a small product at the end of this year. And in yeah. the past, what I've done, I've written, you know, a, a self-written a book and all these sorts of things. But I think the biggest mistakes I've made too is not prepping people in advance enough. I'm too late. Yeah. I think it's a problem for lots of us. So I'm already thinking about what's the launch sequence for this little book that I'm going to, you know, booklet that I'm going to put out there in the world. But I think that that's a problem for lots of folks. Yeah, I, I don't think I was planned enough, to be honest. Um, I was still kind of putting the finishing touches on the website and I'd had a date that it was going to launch and then completely didn't launch on that date and was just like in tears, just going, what have I done? <laughs> All these people oh, are waiting, no. waiting on me. Um, yeah, it was really stressful. And what, you, of uh, course. Yeah. Well, and what was the, what was the, not to make you cry, what, what made you <laughs> miss the date? Like, cause I think that that's typical, by the way, I think we, like, I think many people miss launch dates, but was yeah. it just that you were too aggressive or did something come up? Um, I think it was just teething problems with uh, the website not being quite ready um, and not having my inventory ready with the with the brushes and all the packaging and um, I think we just sort of like plucked the date out of the air and then just put that in the and I think I only did like a very short like lead up like I think I said like three weeks before this is launching on in three weeks time <laughs> um, and you know thought that putting a date on things would would kind of put the fire under the ass, but you know, there's always last minute things with technology. Um, right. Yeah. There's always so. more than I know, cause I've launched books and courses and all the sorts of stuff and done it for my clients. And what I know now is that there's way more things to consider mm -hmm. than you realize. And even at the last minute, you know, I remember we worked on this book. We were, I was helping a client launch a book and we'd been working on it for two years. And then, the at the last minute and the, the week we launched oh my god it was a crush i mean i worked probably 40 or 50 hours a week just on that project the week yeah. that we launched um and she had a lot of attention and so that made it a little more it was very visible <laughs> yeah 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 um, you know but i think that that happens and so how long did you slip did that deadline slip um i think it was about four or five days oh okay that's so not it bad. was not too bad and yeah. everyone was very understanding. Even with the brush palaver, um, people were very understanding with oh, that as well. Good. And I actually ended up sending out um, an extra brush for those people that were waiting too long. Oh, so they, they nice. got two brushes. So it was like, I'm, you know, I've got to give them something for being early adopters and just being so supportive and yeah being supportive yeah. and patient and yeah well yeah. it's hard too right because when you move to from doing like a workshop to me is a little bit more on the service level right mm -hmm. you're performing a service you're seeing people and when you move to something like an online course most of the time you may not even know these people so you're selling to strangers yeah. now exactly and that was one of the other things um i've really wanted to you know how do I do that follow-through with them how do I know they've started the course and and are doing okay they've got you know the right paint and um they're not just sitting in silence struggling and because in our workshops we're very um approachable and and helpful and hands-on and we just give everything we can to those people for those two days um but that's 
and part of me, I just want to like know every person that's bought it and go around to their house and sit with them. <laughs> but well, so I how can't did you, do that. How did you check in on people? Like, and, and we're, so let's ask a couple questions first. Was the, when, when I, let's say I purchased the course, I got into this early bird, did I get access to all the videos at once? Yes. So we decided okay. to do lifetime access um, and just give you everything all at once. Um, and then sort of made a little like uh, exercises for each each sort of video underneath that you could click off and we called it brush mileage. And so you could add to your brush mileage points. They would sort of tick up. Great. I love that brush <laughs> mileage. Yeah. Um, but then we had, uh, I we decided not to build in the feedback to the website. Um, we decided to use a private Facebook group to um, get, people giving feedback, but we just discovered that a lot of people were too intimidated to post their basic strokes into the Facebook group. Oh yeah, that was... would totally be me. I, Cause I'm a, I'm a bit of a recovering perfectionist. So I probably wouldn't yeah. do that. I would be like, oh, it's not perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I was like, oh, there's probably people out there sort of struggling or not, not wanting to share um, so one thing I'd like to do in the future is make more private feedback directly underneath the video. So you could post a picture of your basic strokes, even if they're just straight lines and we can just go, yes, you're doing awesome. Looks great. And they can ask any questions there because even though you say like, email me anytime, a lot of people get shy or they, you know, they slip off the radar. Yeah. They don't want to bother you. Yeah. Right. So did you have very many people, did you find mechanisms or to, to provide, to get that feedback and, and, and complete that sort of feedback loop with people or did many people email you? Um, I, yeah. So a lot of people using intercom people, there's a little question mark in the bottom right hand corner of the website that they can click directly through, um, and, and email us there. Um, but yeah, Facebook was one of the better ones cause we could post any update videos in there of like how to do a B really close up right handed. Um, and all those little things that kind of, we realized the right handers or anyone was missing from the videos. Um, so that it was kind of more immediate, I suppose, in that Facebook group and, and everyone's in there and, and can see it. And yes. Comment. Yeah. So two things, one, um, how how did you realize what people, you know, needed, you know, what, what kinds of things maybe were missing or you needed to augment? And then how often were you doing that? Um, well, I didn't actually add any other videos to the to the course as yet. So we were doing them on an ad hoc basis as people asked. Um, and there was, you know, just a few little things, um, you know, like extra We'd, I'd just do them on my iPhone and post them into Facebook. Oh, got it. So you do like yeah. a little ad hoc video on your phone, put it on Facebook. Yeah. And how did you figure out, yeah, how did you figure out what they needed to know? Uh, they, they asked in, in Facebook publicly. Ah, uh, so they wouldn't post, yeah. but they would say, how the heck do you do X? Yeah. Right? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a lot of questions about materials and I struggled with, um, Americans and everyone around the world finding the same paint that we do here. Um, so there was great discussions with everyone. Like, I've got a, a great shop here. I found the paint and, you know, all those. It was amazing to watch. I was just felt so chuffed that I'd created this little 
community where people were, you know, chatting and I started that. Yeah. This felt really nice. Right, and sourcing material. Yeah. Right, like, yeah, and sourcing materials from around the world. Like, okay, let's solve this problem locally, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that, that was really nice to see. So what do you wish you would have done differently? Um, I think it's, well, I'm just actually happy I launched the thing. And, you know, like you were saying before, it's, it's not with the pricing and stuff. It's not, it, it's evolving. It's not going to be something you can just say, this is it. And it's going to sit like this forever and ever. But what I've, in the last year, I wish I'd sort of, I think I (laughs) had post-course burnout where I was just like, I can't look at this thing for a while and I didn't stoke give it enough love um Mm. in the post post launch thing I sort of sat back and just was like uh, I don't know what what to do next with this thing because it is kind of like a separate beast that you have to keep feeding you like and I do have a bit of guilt like I need to do more on this to to help the students and and give them they're more like um, I feel like they're just sitting out there and, you know, a lot of people drop off because life does get in the way and I don't know, did they actually <laughs> use this skill or did they just do it for a few weeks and then decide that it's not something they want to do anymore? So those kind of like follow-up things and just feeling like giving it more love um, is something I, I'd like to, yeah, wish I'd done more of. Well, and about how much time a, a week would you say you put into it now, promoting it or, you know, promoting it, working with folks on the Facebook group? Um, yeah, maybe a few, like three hours. Okay. So not, not that much um, because I, I suppose I have other client work and, and, you know, this is something I'm thinking about whether I get start to get people to help <laughs> actually pay someone to to actively work on this more um what would you have them do if you got someone to help you what kinds of tasks do you think you'd want most help with uh i'd get them to post more information to the instagram i'd i'd get them in the facebook group um chatting uh, you know interacting with people giving them exercises to do um you know reaching out to individuals um, because I think they're, they're the people that could recommend the course, like having, you know, those subscribers who've done the course, they, they're like your best customers who can tell other people about the course. So kind of nurturing those people. Got it. Yeah. So really like nurturing sales and nurturing community. Yeah. A bit more. So um, what percentage are like, you know, would you say the course, you know, what percentage of your income is it? Is it, It's a relatively small percentage is my guess. Yeah, um, at launch it was, um, it was a, it was big. I mean, but, but I do share 50% with, with Barbara mm-hmm. um, as well. So, um, But overall it's fairly small is my guess. It is, it's small at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Well, was that so? And that was sort of the the. And you knew that was going to happen. It wasn't like you were going to stop doing other client work and just live off of this. No, okay. no, no. Yeah, um, and I'm also um, 24 weeks pregnant. 
<laughs> at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, there's nothing like a, a baby deadline to make you um, rethink some of your passive income. Um, so that's something I'm working on in the next three months is rethinking some of those pricing structures and and maybe getting Barbara or someone else a bit more involved so that I can take a step back and and it can be a source of passive income. Not a, not a huge amount, but something while I'm not working just to keep ticking away. Yeah. And not it. sort of let it let it die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you put it out there and then it does take the stoking and sometimes I hear you but like that sort of like that product burnout. You're like, I've been sleeping, eating, breathing this and then I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, like everyone it's a human nature. We get super excited about launch. We put like we don't sleep, we put everything into launch, like new, new shiny things. And then we're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. It's not exciting anymore. It's like, I can't continue. I just want to start something else new. Right. <laughs> That's <the> exciting bit. <laughs> well, right. And I do think there's this, this misnomer out there that people think we can just create all these products and just make money without really giving them much attention. And, mm. and I actually think that product, like the launching the product is really just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just the beginning. Right. It's just the beginning. The, you know, there's a, a, a lot ahead of you and, a, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not saying it as someone who's done this always successfully myself. So, uh, mm. but I just think it, 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 there's a lot, a lot to it. Um, and I really appreciate everything that you've shared today. It's so interesting to hear the behind the scenes of taking your, you know, the workshop from an in-person event to, you know, to this, um, you know, an online course. Um, mm. and thank you so much for um, sharing your experience today. Awesome. Thanks for having me.